Joshua chapter 6. You get to Joshua, you begin reading the book of Joshua, and uh, once you get through chapter 1, you're ready for chapter 6, right? Because chapter 1, they've crossed Jordan. Once they cross Jordan, they are facing Jericho. Jericho is first battle, and so you are waiting for chapter 6, and we finally arrive in chapter 6. I'll begin reading in verse 1. The Bible says, now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho, and the king thereof, and the mighty men of valor. And ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go round about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. Seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumpets of ram's horns. And the seventh day ye shall compass the city seven times. And the priest shall blow with the trumpets, and it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man straight before him. I want you to imagine yourself being there. Joshua is, I believe this is the pre-incarnate Lord that's speaking. I think it's it, it, a continuation from verses 13 to 15 of uh, chapter 5, and the Lord gives him these, and then he's going to pass these instructions along. Imagine the briefing when uh, Joshua is passing the instructions along to uh, the, the uh, Israelites. Uh, I, would, I would make an assumption that the facial expressions would run the gamut. Uh, you can just imagine uh, people thinking, this makes no sense. This is downright odd. This is foolish. What in the world? You can imagine some questions that probably uh, should have been asked. And so, uh, why not just make one trip? How could two trips be better than one? Did I just hear that 13 trips are necessary? On the other hand, imagine the inhabitants of Jericho the inhabitants of Jericho, while they're watching what's going on. Now, they're scared to death. We know that. Rahab explained a little bit about their terror was her word. She used the word faint. She said their hearts did melt. She said they had no more courage. They're observing this. It had to have been eerily quiet for them, watching these people just walk around their city. You imagine somebody saying, what's in the box? It's in the box that they're carrying around here every day. But as we read this passage of Scripture, I want to give you, I, I titled this Sometimes. Sometimes. I want to give you seven sometimes that we can find in this passage of Scripture. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege it is, Lord, to uh, stand before other preachers and, and just try to be an encouragement and a blessing. Thank you for Pastor Folger and for Cleveland Baptist, Lord, and and uh, the hosting of this fellowship meeting. Lord, would you just for a few minutes help us to direct our thoughts to you and your word, glean a little, grow a little, improve a little, be encouraged a little. We need your help today, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Seven sometimes today, for the first sometimes that I give you is sometimes walking in a circle has value. Sometimes walking in a circle has value. The key here in this passage of Scripture is obedience, right? I mean, it's simple obedience. It may be boring. It may be lacking in enjoyment, but it's just obeying. It's just doing what God said to do. Well, what must that have been like? 
We're to do what? We're walking around the city, and then what are we doing tomorrow? We're walking around the city, and then the third day and the fourth day? I, I found something out about Albert Einstein. If you don't know this, Albert Einstein is a German Jew. You know, if Albert Einstein would have been there, maybe around day five, he might have come up with his definition of insanity. You know his definition of insanity, right? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. So we're going to walk around the city, and then tomorrow we're going to do it, and then the next day, and the next day, and the seventh day, we're going to do it seven times. Sometimes in our Christian walk, we just need to be patient and just keep going. And sometimes it feels like we're just walking in a circle. Anybody else here, now don't raise your hand on this because you're not supposed to, but uh, anybody else here, sometimes you're walking people in the front door and then you're chasing people out the back door? You ever have that happen in your church? You say, I'm bringing them in and then they're going out. I'm chasing them down. I'm I'm, I'm just kind of going in a circle. Sometimes walking in a circle has value. You can imagine some of the Israelites saying something like this, well, God didn't show up yesterday. Why would we think he's going to show up today? You know what we're doing? We're just continuing on. We're just doing what we're supposed to be doing. Number one, sometimes walking in a circle has value. Number two, sometimes it's best to be quiet. Sometimes it's best to be quiet. Look over in verse 10 of Joshua chapter 6. This is in Joshua had commanded the people saying, Ye shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout, then shall ye shout. You imagine it, get all these, uh, these armed uh, guys together and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Now, no one is allowed. Look what it says here. It says three things. It says, you shall not shout nor make any noise with your voice, neither shall any word proceed. I can only imagine uh, saying, someone saying, well, Mikey can't go then. He can't keep his mouth shut. He's not going to, this isn't going to work. Sometimes it's best to keep quiet. We've got these fancy phones now that we wear, and uh, if you got one of these, it'll tell you how many steps you're taking. Anybody do that where you uh, keep track of your steps? A few of you do that. My son and I were going to the hospital the other day, and and uh, the hospital that we typically, there's a few of them, but one of them that we typically go to, uh, they now make you park your car like six miles away, it seems, and, uh, and then walk to the hospital. And uh, so I told my son, I said, I'm going to just check how far we're going. And uh, we're, we were going a, a quite a distance just to go from our car to the hospital to two or three different floors and back. Can you imagine these people here? If they would have had one of these, I'm at 12,000 steps. It's not even lunchtime yet. Can someone multiply that time, uh, this distance times seven? Shouldn't we be multiplying times 13? What if this doesn't work? Has anyone calculated uh, total distance? Why couldn't we just do the shouting part? You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. Sometimes we just need to be quiet. Sometimes we need to pipe down or we might miss the still small voice. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 20 says, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. Zechariah 2.13 says, Be silent, O all flesh, before the Lord. Hold your place here, would you, and turn over to Proverbs 17. This is a little bit convicting. When you get to Proverbs chapter 17 right at the end, look at these words. 
Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 27 says this, he that hath knowledge spareth his words. We have a tendency to think the opposite, don't we? The more, the more wisdom and knowledge I have, I just have to share it. He that hath knowledge spareth his words. A man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. You know what we have to do sometimes? I, I just got to get on social media. I got to set things straight. I got to share with somebody what they're doing wrong. You know, sometimes it's just best to, to keep quiet. Number three, sometimes instructions don't completely make sense. Sometimes instructions don't completely make sense. Imagine being there. Now, Joshua got it right from the Lord, but then Joshua's the one that's going to tell them. And he's, he's trying to talk them through this, and he's explaining to them what the expectations are. They've crossed the Jordan, and there's Jericho, big Jericho, big walls, and uh, he's explaining to them what we're going to do. What kind of a facial expression do you think he saw when he gave that? Share your facial expression if you would have been there. I mean, you can see the rolling of the eyes, the questioning, the shaking of heads. You can just imagine what that must have been like. Walk and don't talk. Be quiet and keep moving. Keep walking. You look in the scriptures, Naaman was a guy that said this, why do I have to dip in the Jordan? It's gross in there. It's dirty. It's filthy. We got all these nice rivers I could dip in. Just go. Why are we heading toward the Red Sea? Why would God direct us with a a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night? He directed us right to the Red Sea. We're hemmed in. Why did Jesus have his face like a flint set toward Jerusalem? Why did Joseph and Mary, when she's nine months pregnant, why did they have to make a trip to Bethlehem? Why was Abraham told, take now thy son Isaac, thine only son whom thou lovest, and offer him for a burnt offering? Sometimes instructions don't completely make sense. Now understand this, clarity was not the issue. Clarity wasn't the problem. I mean, you, you could, you, everybody can understand, walk around the city. I mean, we can get that. But, but why? This doesn't make sense. I don't get this. Sometimes God gives us instructions, and you say, I get the instruction, but the why, I just don't understand. Sometimes instructions don't completely make sense. Number four, sometimes retracing our steps is appropriate. Sometimes retracing our steps is appropriate. Can you imagine the Israel? We've been here before. I've seen that. I saw that same thing yesterday. I walked by that two days ago and yesterday, and I'm walking by it again today. I've prayed, and I've prayed, and I've prayed, and it just doesn't seem as though anything's happening here. Why would I go back and pray again? Keep retracing those steps. The walls may soon be moving. I've sown seed. I've shared the gospel. I don't see any fruit. Do you ever have one of those times where you share the gospel, and I mean the fruit's right there? It's a rarity, right? Saturday, we, were, we had prison ministry, and, and we went into our, our uh, local prison, and, and a guy was leading us, and, and we went in, had a basketball tournament, and then he, everybody sits down, he preaches. Beautiful, awesome time. And uh, so at lunchtime, in between, we get, we get the thing started, then we leave and go get lunch. The guy in charge goes, you do not want to eat their food, go get your own. And I don't know why the Lord directed me to KFC. 
I like KFC. My wife hates it, so whenever I'm with guys, we go to KFC. We went to KFC Saturday, and uh, we were in, and there's a group of us, and a family came in, and I, I just said, hey, would you guys be interested in coming visiting our church? And I just explained a little bit about what we were doing. They showed up for church Sunday, and the lady walked the aisle and got saved. Now, that's a rarity. But can I tell you this? Keep sowing seed. Keep sharing the gospel. Keep sowing because water is soon arriving. Sometimes retracing our steps is appropriate. Number five, sometimes the only understanding is following God. Sometimes the only understanding is following God. These walls are thick. These walls are thick enough there's houses in them. My son is here today when when he was about to turn 18, my wife made a crazy decision. Her crazy decision was to ask my son what he would like for his 18th birthday. The crazy decision that she made was compounded by his crazy response. His response was, I want to go skydiving. It got a little bit more uh, crazy when he said, and I want my dad to go with me. I didn't know anything about skydiving, but I went. We showed up in Rittman and um, quite concerned about the opportunity. And when we got there, I noticed a lot of people here, a lot of cars coming in, all these people lining up. I said, it can't be that big of a deal then, you know, if there's this many people that are doing it. And um, my son had said, I want to go skydiving. I want my dad to go with me, and I want to go solo. I didn't understand the concept. When I got there, we got up to where we were checking in, and I said to the lady there, I said, how many people will be jumping out of airplanes today? She said, we're expecting 250 to 300. I said, well, okay. I said, well, how many will be doing the solo portion of it? She said, three. You and your son and one other guy who's jumped tandem before. I will tell you, though, they said that the, uh, the instructions for the tandem took about 20 to 30 minutes. The instructions for the solo took about six hours. I was all ears that day. I was listening to every instruction, and I did not want to miss anything. I want you to notice something that happened here in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 2. The Lord is about ready to give Joshua some difficult, unique, we might call them crazy instructions, but right before he did, take a look at what he says. And the Lord said unto Joshua in Joshua 6.2, See, I have given into thine hand Jericho. Joshua seemed to be very alert in receiving the instructions. He seemed like he got it. If you have a Bible and you can turn back to Numbers chapter 13, 40 years prior, there were some instructions that were given. The instructions were given to Moses and passed along to 12 men. Of those 12 men, there was a guy in verse 8, says of the tribe of Ephraim, Oshia, the son of Nun, we know him as Joshua. In Numbers chapter 13, the Bible says in verse 1, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, send thou men that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give. 
Joshua caught it way back then, 40 years ago, and Joshua caught it in Joshua chapter 6 and verse 2. He seemed as though he was very alert in receiving the instruction. Can I tell you this? Sometimes the only understanding we have is we're following God. We better be alert. We better be tuned in to what God has for us. Because if you miss two, three through five sound really odd. But if you get two, three through five don't really matter. Whatever he says, that's fine. I already got two. I already know what's going to happen here. I'm just following God. Number six, sometimes you are closer to your destination even though it seems as though you've made no progress. Sometimes you're closer to the destination, though you've, it seems as though you've made no progress. Does anybody else travel like this? This is how I travel, and I don't, God made me this way. I, if I'm going to go a long distance, I put in my GPS, and then it will give me what it says is an expected arrival. That becomes a competition for me. Anybody else? I mean, that's competition. Let's go. And, and if we're going a long distance, I mean, the, the, any stop becomes like a pit stop. And if you can find a, a gas station with a restaurant and a restroom, I mean, that, you're telling the kids, you know, get your, do, uh, your uh, uh, hand on the door handle 30 seconds from now, make sure your shoes are tied and we're ready to go. I mean, I'm going. But you ever hit a detour or a traffic jam when you're trying to do that? It's just annoying. Sometimes we're closer to our destination, even though it seems as though we've made no progress. Eleven years ago, we felt the Lord was calling us to California, and I was a AAA member. And so I called AAA, and I said, I'm leaving from here, and I'm going to here in California. And I went into AAA, and they were ready for me, and they gave me a shoebox, Inside the shoebox was a map of Ohio and uh, I think Indiana and Illinois and Missouri and Oklahoma and Texas and New Mexico and Arizona and California. What a gold mine. I mean, can you believe that stuff would be worth big bucks today, right? No, today we don't use that at all. We just stick it in our phone, and then we have some woman tell us when to turn, and uh, she'll even reroute us when we mess it up. Think back to the, uh, the early days of our country. My mom used to have uh, at our house, and, and when I, t- I say to young people this, they just look at me with this dumb look, but we had what was called a record and a record player. And you would stick this record on the record player, and then you'd pick this thing up with a needle, and you'd stick it on it, and it would talk to you. And uh, she had uh, some of these, they were instructional type things. They'd have songs, but one of them was about the wagon trains. Those were intriguing about those wagon trains and how they'd they'd go. They didn't know where they were going. They're just going west. They didn't even know where the destination was. As a matter of fact, sometimes they'd get going, and then Dad would just say, we, we found our spot. We're in Colorado. They didn't know where Colorado was. We're, we're in this spot, and this is it. This is the destination. Can I tell you, sometimes, sometimes we're closer to our destination, even though it seems as though we've made no progress. And the last one I give you is this. Sometimes the explanation is only God. It's only God. 
It's only God. I was listening, uh, Pastor Folger just said about this new church plant. He said, some of the things that are going on, it's just God. It's only God. Now, we, we need to come up, though, with a secular explanation for what happened. Because there has to be some kind of an explanation for these people who walk around this city 13 times, and then they make a loud noise, and when they make a loud noise, the walls fall down. You've seen, maybe you've been at a, a stadium, and they have the decimal meter, or you'll see it on TV, and you know the decimal meter gets up uh, so high. I did a little bit of homework, and I found the largest stadium in the world. Anybody know where the largest stadium in the world is? I'm going to guarantee that nobody here has ever been to the largest stadium in the world. You might know where it is. It's in a place called Pyongyang, North Korea. It holds 150, if I did my homework right, holds 150,000 people. Now, if I go to a football stadium and, um, and there's a game going on, my goal is to watch the game. And I don't like to be interrupted when I'm trying to watch the game. And I certainly don't want to scream. And I don't like when other people do. And I'm sure that when you go to a stadium, there are a few other people there like me. But if you can get 150,000 people screaming at the same time, you can probably get your decibel level up pretty high. They say if it gets up over 110, that's pretty high. There is the possibility that you can get that high enough that it can break something, right? I remember when we moved to California, nobody told me about sonic booms. God's country doesn't have that. So I got out there, and um, I was a principal of the school there, and while I was walking in between, I can show you where I was the first time there was a sonic boom. I was looking for a basement to climb into, not understanding nobody has basements there. Scared me to death. I mean, those sonic booms, I, it was amazing to me. Everybody else just kept on doing whatever they were doing. I was, I was like panicking. But maybe, maybe it got so loud that the walls fell down because the decibel level got so high, it was like a sonic boom. There's only one minor problem with that definition, and that minor problem is found here in Joshua chapter 6 a little bit further along, and it's called Rahab's house. That's a little bit of a problem with our secular description of what may have happened. And so we come to this conclusion. Sometimes the explanation is only God. You and I work in ministries, and if you're like me, sometimes we struggle with patience. Sometimes it feels like we're just walking in circles. Sometimes it feels like we're making no progress. Sometimes it feels like we've been there, done that. But can I encourage you in this way? Keep on going. You might be closer to your destination than you think. And I'll tell you this. I want to be part of something that's described as only God. Only God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Joshua chapter 6. Thank you for a leader, Lord. 
who heard, listened, and obeyed. I pray, Lord, in our ministries that we would be like Joshua and lead in a way that we get done, and it's only God. Thank you, Lord, for your word in Jesus' name. Amen.